MySafeLA is the public education partner of the Los Angeles Fire Department. You're listening to a MySafeLA Fire and Life Safety Podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Cameron Barrett, the Education Director for MySafeLA. Thanks for joining us for our MySafeLA Fire and Life Safety Podcast. I am here with a co-host and colleague, Todd Lights. Hey, Todd. Hey there. Uh, public Information Officer for MySafeLA. The reason why there's two of us chatting you guys up this time around is because we're the two resident EMTs in the MySafe LA staff. That is correct. Yeah. When did you become an EMT, Todd? Uh, 2010. 2010. Where'd you go? I got my EMT credential, a National uh, Registry of uh, Emergency Medical Technicians from Valley College out in uh, the Sherman Oaks Valley Village area. Yeah. And I got mine uh, farther south at Saddleback back in 2008. Um, and both of us, of course, rode out with the Los Angeles Fire Department to do that requirement of our education. And uh, that was pretty interesting on my part. How about you? It was great. Uh, we rode out with uh, L.A. County Fire, as a matter of fact, and, um, and responded to, with, uh, with them to 911 calls. and Had some pretty cool stuff yeah. during my, I think it was a 10-hour ride out. Mm-hmm. So Todd rode out with the Los Angeles County Fire Department. I rode out with the Orange County Fire Authority down there. Mm. And, of course, both of us in our uh, duties with My Safe LA have ridden out with the Los, An- Los Angeles City Fire Department. So we've, uh, yeah, we've seen some pretty interesting stuff in our rideouts. Um, and the interesting thing about all three of those agencies is the fact that all of those agencies have 85% or higher of their calls these days have nothing to do with fires, do they? It's emergency medical calls that come into all of these fire departments. Yeah, more and more they're finding that EMS is the the lion's share of their responses now. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, more important than ever for them to really concentrate on EMS, um, although that may not be as as popular among firefighters who, who got into the business perhaps to to uh, put out fires, but there's many more are coming on as paramedics as mm-hmm. well. So they have advanced life support skills. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of reasons behind that. First and foremost, in lar- especially in large urban areas, the fire code works. So buildings that have sprinkler systems, buildings that have smoke alarms and buildings that are properly constructed to compartmentalize any fires that happen to be in certain areas are working. So big, Residential fires just don't happen the same way that they used to, which is awesome. Uh, but if you want to make a living fighting fires and not going on EMS calls, that might be a little tough. It means the fire service is really fundamentally changing in 2014. And, you know, when we say that, they, that, that firefighters respond to medical emergencies, sometimes they're not the first responder. Sometimes it's you and me that are the first responder. And it's our responsibility to know what to do. You know, Cameron and I have a duty to act as, as EMTs. We, we have to, you know, jump in to try to help somebody if we can. Um, you as a normal citizen can be that same way, but you need a little bit of knowledge. And since it's American Heart Health Month, yeah, we wanted to talk to you guys today about hands-only CPR, which is the new paradigm for cardiopulmonary resuscitation. So the good news is that it's even easier than ever before to become proficient 
in CPR, hands-only CPR, and to save a life. It's, How cool is that? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. You don't need to be an EMT to do what Todd and I are about to teach you. And the weird thing is you can learn this on a podcast. I'm so not kidding about this. It is so simple. Todd, do you remember the first time you learned CPR? Yes, I, I had to do it before I could even start taking EMT classes. And it was it was an all-day affair almost. I think it was uh, four to six hours or something of, you know, compressions and rescue breaths and counting. And, and you know, it really took some concentration to learn. And I think that's what a lot of people are intimidated by that. Exactly. When I first learned CPR, I was, I think, 14 years old. And I wanted to be a junior lifeguard. And the, the just the math alone was really staggering. And I learned it several times uh, after that. And it was always, you know, are there 30 breaths to, I mean, uh, 30 uh, beats to two breaths for an adult, but there are 15 to two for kids, but there's 100 to something for infants. It was just really hard to remember. The other thing is that it was that whole, you know, thought of one day I might need to do this and I'm going to have to put my mouth on a complete stranger. And... What's what we found in the last half a century or so when CPR has slowly climbed up into the absolute ubiquitous general public consciousness that everybody knows what CPR stands for and most people know how to do it, um, is that people are really rather nervous about that whole mouth-to-mouth thing. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's somewhat daunting. Uh, you know, I used to travel around with a little CPR mask. Right. It was on my keychain, and it was mm-hmm. basically just kind of a, a, a plastic baggy type thing that you would put over the, the person's mouth to create a, a barrier of safety because mm-hmm. you don't know what they that might have led to them mm-hmm. falling down and, and right. basically... And needing your help. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think a lot of people are scared off by that. And, and, and what's so beautiful about hands-only CPR is that it takes that whole mouth-to-mouth thing out of the equation... It takes all the counting out. Mm-hmm. It's really just start compressions, do them hard and fast at the right depth, and you have a good chance at saving that person's life until help arrives and they're able to take them off to the hospital. Some folks actually call hands-only CPR sidewalk CPR because that's how easy it is, and that's what it's meant for. It's meant for you literally on the sidewalk coming upon somebody who needs your help to be able to offer that help. And So here's the neat thing about hands-only CPR. It's not a second best if you don't want to use rescue breaths. It's not that. It's as effective as that original CPR that used to be taught to all of us. In fact, it's the only type of CPR that the American Heart Association is currently teaching to the public. And it's what is considered the thing to do, not the second best thing to do. And I guess the reason behind that was that they found that there's enough oxygen in our blood to keep our brains and brain cells alive. As long as that blood gets to the brain. As long as you continue it pumping. And that's why you do the compressions. So you're pumping the blood. There's no real reason. You know, giving rescue breath is, is not a bad thing. No, not at all. Um, but by just doing something and just giving those compressions, you're moving the blood throughout the body so that it can get full perfusion and, and there will be no cell death, no tissue death, if you're able to keep that going. Mm-hmm. Now, 
we should have a little caveat out here and we should say that hands-only CPR is when you know that you're going to be able to dial 911 before you start and that there will be first responders that will come uh, within the first five or so minutes. Um, and brain death is that eight-minute window right there. So uh, that's why. I mean, if you're out in the middle of nowhere and hands-only is not going to help you for 20, 30, 40 minutes, that's not going to work. But hands-only CPR uh, in an urban setting like Los Angeles, where you can dial 911 and get the Los Angeles Fire Department on its way with their more sophisticated knowledge and their more sophisticated equipment, uh, this is perfect. This is that measure you need to take while you're waiting for those first responders to arrive. So we should just get right into it. It's like five easy steps. You want to you go through those, Todd? Yeah. Um, either you witness somebody uh, collapsing and, and falling unconscious and stopping breathing, or you come upon somebody. Obviously, it's, it's more perhaps ideal if you actually mm-hmm. see someone go down, so then you can give information about when exactly they, they went unconscious or stopped breathing. But if you come upon somebody, you uh, immediately will call 911. Uh, you, you know, most of us carry a cell phone, so that's not a big deal. Or you instruct another bystander to go call 911. Uh, if you happen to have your cell phone, you can dial it up right there, put it on speaker, tell the dispatcher who answers the phone exactly the nature of your emergency and exactly where you are to the best of your ability. It's always a good idea to give cross streets and things like that as well. And then immediately begin the hands-only CPR. And put that mobile phone on speaker so that you can talk to them because you're going to need both your hands right now to help this person out. That's right. This is definitely a hands-free moment and a hands-on moment when you're uh, when you're working on the on the the victim so to speak so you start by develop or de- determining whether they're, they're conscious or not if you shake them say sir ma'am are, are you okay are you okay um, that may wake somebody up uh, you check for signs of, of breathing if they've stopped breathing then you can start CPR start the hands only compressions and what what rate are we talking about for for hands only CPR? It's so simple. You will never forget this. A hundred compressions a minute. It's that simple. And the really fun thing is, if if there is anything fun about doing CPR on somebody who's collapsed and needs you to do it, is that if you lose count or it's too difficult to count while you're talking to the nine one one operator or instructing uh, other stand other folks standing by to help out. If, if you lose track, don't worry about that. Just kind of sing. I'm not kidding. Sing inside your head. Ah, 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 ah. Staying alive. Staying alive. And really, that beat will give you about 100 compressions a minute. Sounds corny, but it helps. Now, of course, Cam is, is singing the, the Bee Gees song, the, the famous... <laughs> not that you could tell Bee- with my nasty voice, but yes, that's well, what I was you, trying you, to say. Well, you got the point across. And, and uh, so that's the Bee Gees song from Saturday Night Fever, Staying Alive. And I think what we I think would be a good public service if we could try to come up with a more contemporary song because yeah. you know 1978 or whenever that movie mm-hmm. came out yeah. that's you know we're getting we're getting 40 years ago. That's true, but boy, so, staying alive is really that's that's what I love about that song, right? It's not just that it's the right beat, but it's the right title because right. that's what you're doing. You're going to keep this person alive by doing this. Um, so uh, it's important though to position those compressions correctly and get them not just the number but the depth could you go over that exactly and you want to find the proper place on a person's body and that's right in the center of the chest at the nipple line you want to press the heel of your hand down 
and lock your fingers or just put the other hand on top of it, right or left, whichever one's more comfortable for you. Get your body positioned right over it so your arms are locked in place so that you can put the full force of your weight down for your compressions. You want to do them at a depth of about two to three inches, which can also be a little intimidating because you feel like, oh my goodness, I'm hurting this person. But let's face facts here, folks. If somebody has fallen, collapsed, they are not breathing, and their heart is not beating, then they are dead. Mm-hmm. Technically, they are dead. And, you know, a lot of people worry that they, they could break a, crack a sternum or break a rib or something like that. Well, that's much better than being dead. Yeah. So yeah. Don't worry about uh, breaking a bone when, when you need to get a heart restarted. That's, that's your goal here. So don't worry about that. The sternum is that big, bony uh, piece uh, of your skeleton that's right over the center of your chest. Um, and that's what you're that's what you're going for. And the only way to really be able to do a hundred compressions a minute, three inches down, for you know perhaps five minutes, because it's surprisingly tiring. The only way to make that happen is by kneeling next to this person on their side and making sure your entire upper body is positioned over your straight arms and hands. So think about that exactly perpendicular to the ground. So your shoulders, your elbows, your wrists, and your hands are literally in a perfectly straight line. That way your whole upper body can move up and down with your hands. You're basically using your core to do this work instead of just your arms, and you'll be able to last much longer doing that. And the great news about that is, as, as Cameron mentioned, it does get to be quite tiring after a minute or more even. Um, but usually a group of bystanders will form around you and if you know what you're doing and it's very simple to know what you're doing you can train somebody else who's just watching to spell you to take over for you and if you do a countdown of some kind and show them the proper form and technique and depth and rhythm they can take over for you and then somebody can take over from them um, and hopefully, uh, you know, advanced life support help will come uh, within some some period of that time. So uh, it's what it's really easy to teach somebody, even on the spot, even in that kind of a stressful situation. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, don't stop. Now I say that, uh, especially if there are other people around who can spell you, don't stop. It's really important to keep going. But if you are alone, if you're getting exhausted, if help still hasn't arrived. Remember that one dead person or one seriously uh, sick person is bad, but two is even worse. Do not make yourself pass out doing this. What you do is take a break. Truly spell yourself. Sit back on your heels. Take a couple of really deep breaths. Bring your heart rate down and then position yourself again over your patient and start all over again. All right, so to review... We can quickly say that you come upon a unconscious person or apparently unconscious person. You shake them to determine their level of consciousness. Perhaps they wake up at that point. Perhaps they're there. Which is great. That would be awesome. All right. You don't don't even bother to check their pulse nope. or even even listen for breathing. Just commence the compressions. Uh, believe me, if they're semi-conscious, they'll wake up and say, hey, what are you doing, man? Get yeah. off of me. Yeah. But um, that's a great thing um, if they do that. But if they don't... you. Start the compressions and keep going. Find the middle of the chest at the nipple line, heel of your hand, arms locked, body straight over. 
do compressions at the rate of 100 per minute or to the tune of the BG song, Staying Alive, Staying Alive, or whatever other song he has a similar rhythm, but Staying Alive is a, is a really good one. We'll, we'll try to come up with another one. And Do Not Stop. Use bystanders to help you and make sure that you've called 911, given them their, your exact location and the nature of the emergency, and put them on speakerphone and put the phone down beside the, the victim, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And really, it's that simple. It really is. That's really all there is to it, isn't there? And there has been uh, plenty, there have been plenty of examples all over the country, all over the world, where hands-only CPR has saved a life. So you can do that. You don't need to be an EMT like Todd and I. You don't need to be a paramedic, a firefighter. You don't need a whole bunch of lengthy classes or a bunch of numbers in your head. Just know 100 compressions a minute, uh, and you can save a life. It's that awesome. Yeah, just the willingness to act and a little bit of information, and you've got it. You can be a hero. You've been listening to a MySafe LA Fire and Life Safety Podcast. MySafe LA is the public education partner of the Los Angeles Fire Department. Visit us at MySafeLA.org and LAFD.org.